Go to the book of James, please. Thank you, Master. Y'all ready to believe God with me this morning? We don't just come to church to see how quick we can get out and say we've been to church around here. We come to church to get something accomplished. Right? We come to church to give God something. Give Him our praise. Give Him our worship. Give Him our offerings. And we also come to receive. To hear from Him. To receive a supply of the Spirit. Answers. Anointing. Equipping. Uh, for some uh, weeks now, we have been on the subject of the kingdom of God. And I felt like that we got to a place where we could, uh, you know, unhook from that last week. We were on it for many weeks. If you have not heard it and care to, uh, it's on the internet. You can download it for free. But uh, today, I want us to begin on a new series for the church. And it's not something that's new to me as far as teaching it, but I'm believing for additional revelation and utterance. Are you with me today? James, the fourth chapter, and verse six. James four, six says, but he, God, gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So which one do you want to be? Well, the proud get resisted. The humble get grace. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Read out loud that seventh verse with me, please. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Is there a devil? Yeah, there is. He is the enemy of our soul. He is a thief, a liar, a murderer, a destroyer. Right? Is there a God? Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) There is a God. The God. The God, the Father of spirits. Creator of heaven and earth. And He is a good God. Can you say amen? Now, He's a good God. And like the psalmist says, He is good and He doeth good. If it's stealing, killing, destroying, who did it? The devil. And so what should you do with him and his stuff? Resist. You don't have to wait till you see somebody in a red suit with a pitchfork outside your front door of your house literally trying to get in. If it's his works, it's him behind it. Right? Disease. Receive or resist? That was a little weak. That was, did you, you think that was weak? Come on, y'all got to help me out this morning. Now think about it. Disease. Right. Poverty. Do you resist? That's good. Or receive. Yeah, but God might be trying to teach you something. You know, being broke and poor and hitting the bottom and living on the dregs. You might learn some stuff. 
Yeah, you'll learn some stuff. (laughs) But what good is it? I've been poor. I've been broke. And there's nothing I learned that I couldn't have learned better being rich. I've prayed in a rattletrap car. I have. I've prayed in a car that the heater didn't work. And then you think your feet's going to freeze. And I've also prayed in cars that had climate control. And big, nice, plush leather seats. Set it to 72. And fill up the lumbar airbag. I think I prayed better. In the quiet car. In climate control comfort. I've read my Bible in little apartments in the worst part of town where you didn't have to get up and walk to the kitchen. You just reach. <laughs> little cramped violence and crime in the street right outside. I've been there. Phyllis has been there. And I studied my Bible. We did. I studied, you know, and studied and prayed. But now, in more recent times, I studied in lots of room. Big tall ceiling. (laughs) Nice desk and seat. Yeah, big nice place to stretch out, reach out. I think I study better. There's no premium on poverty. There's no premium in benefits and being sick. No matter what other people have said, it is not true. If it's stealing and killing and destroying, which disease does and poverty does and confusion and death does, it's the work of the enemy. Receive or resist? Resist. Resist. Resist sickness. Resist poverty. Resist these things. I don't care how broke you are. It's not, don't be ashamed of where you are. Don't be intimidated by somebody else that has more. But just say, I'm not staying here. I'm not staying broke all my life. I'm not staying here. Resist it. You don't just give in and go, well, whatever will be, will be. You know. It's my lot in life. That's receiving it, yielding to it. Don't do that. Resist it. But before it says resist the devil and he will flee from you, what did it say? Submit yourself To God. So we're going to begin talking this morning. About submission. And authority. And this I haven't taught this in the church before. But I have taught it from years past. And I'm believing God for revelation. Right? I'm believing God for light. And truth. Can you say amen? Submit yourself to who? To God. Then he says, resist the devil. Now, why would it be in that order? Hmm? Well, this is what happened in the beginning. When, uh, you know, the Bible said, in fact, just turn back there real quickly to Luke. Luke, the fourth chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made man. And he gave him authority. How many remember from Genesis? God gave man authority 
over all the work of his hands. That included the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and the animals on the surface and the trees and the plants. In effect, Adam and Eve were the gods of this world. I know some people don't like that terminology, but it's Bible terminology. The psalmist said, didn't God say, ye are gods? And Jesus quoted it, right? And applied it. There is one God of heaven and earth, creator, but Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of lords. Who are the kings he's king of? Who are the lords he's Lord of? It's a, We're in training for these things. Earth is faith school. And he is teaching us how to rule and reign. This life is not to practice being defeated. This life is to practice being an overcomer. A more than a conqueror. Right? And to practice ruling and reigning. And didn't Romans say that that's what we have. That we are to rule and reign in life. By one Christ Jesus. That's our call. That's our destiny. And so Adam and Eve were to rule and reign. And you see the beginnings of it when God brought all the animals to Adam. And he named them. I think there's so much more in that than we have thought. Do you understand? I have no authority to come name your dog. Right? If I come over to your house and you got a new puppy. And I look at him and go, Fido. His name shall be Fido. What'd you say? Whoa, wait up now. (laughs) That's my dog. His name is Buck. (laughs) The ability or right to name something denotes authority over it. I certainly wouldn't come and name your children. Right? Or name your stuff. And you can't name my stuff. And so you can, can you see what's going on here? It's not just, you know, Adam picking a name out of a hat. No, the wisdom of God was in him. The understanding of God was in him to name them what they should be called. And then he, as a ruler over them, right, is decreeing who and what they are. And the giraffe did not argue. The elephant did not argue, right? Why? Because he is over them. And they are under him. And so we see that operating as it was supposed to be. Until Adam and Eve out there by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Ignored the command of God. And disobeyed the command of God. And ate of the tree. And died. And something major happened in the authority of the earth. There was a great shift. And now in 2 Corinthians 4.4, Satan is called the God of this world. How can that be? Satan, the God of this world? That's 2 Corinthians 4.4. Now in Luke here, you can read about it. It's out of the devil's mouth. We hear how and why. Luke 4, verse 5. 
The devil took him up to a high mountain. Talking about Jesus. Showed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this power. Now that's the Greek word for authority. All this authority will I give you and the glory of them. For that is delivered to me. What's delivered to him? The authority over these kingdoms. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. I know you don't like the sound of that. And I don't either. But it's a fact. A lot of people try to say, well, no, no, the devil's a liar. He ain't true. If it wasn't true, it wouldn't have been a temptation. And it wouldn't be in the book. Got to remember, this is the account of Jesus being tempted. Got to back up. Was he tempted to turn the stones into bread? He was hungry. Right? Could it have happened? Yeah. If it couldn't happen, it wouldn't be a temptation. And with this, could the devil have handed over to him the authority of the nations in the world? If he couldn't have, it wouldn't have been a temptation. Right? And the Bible said he was tempted. So it's a fact. Not a pleasant one, but it's a fact. And I think it's re- you know, we could readily see some of the evil stuff that has happened and is happening through different nations. Well, it's sure not God ruling and reigning through them. Right? Well, who's behind it? Well, it's the devil. But how did he come to be? The God of this world. He tells us himself. It was what? One translation says, it was handed over to me. It was handed over to me. Did God give it to him? No, we've got the book. We know when God created the heavens and the earth, he didn't give it to the devil. Did he? He gave it to man. Well, then who gave it to him? Must have been the one God gave it to. God gave it to the man. The man gave it to the devil. And that's how he's been operating. Oh, but there's good news. Good news. Another man. Another man came. Born of a virgin. Oh, hallelujah. And he did not succumb to the temptation of the devil. He did not throw off God's authority. He obeyed God the Father on every hand and every turn and did not sin and offered up himself. And the Bible said he triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. He said, I got the keys. Oh, yeah. Keys denote control, authority. You got the keys, you can go out and come in. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, you go. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's got all the authority. And he leaves. (laughs) But he says, you go. Well, without taking the time to go into it, in Matthew 10, do you remember? He called the 12 together and the Bible said he gave unto them power and authority over all sickness and disease and all devils to cast them out. And then he authorized the 70. And we see in Mark, you know, 16, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out spirits. 
They'll lay hands on the sick. Well, you couldn't do this if you didn't have authority. And we see them doing it in the book of Acts. Don't we? Everybody say authority. 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 Now, with that in mind, there is a truth that we should understand. Go to Romans 13. We're laying the foundation for this this morning. We want to stay with it as long as we ought to. Weeks, months, whatever. And you're believing with me, is that right? And uh, I don't want to know what you think about it. And you don't want to know what I think about it. We want to know what God said. Right? What God said. And build our life on that. And not people's ideas or theories. You know... uh, there's certain words that people don't like. Their mind goes off on a tangent when they hear it. One of them, for instance, is deliverance. Deliverance. Deliverance is a Bible word. And yet to a lot of people, you hear the word deliverance, they go, uh-oh. You're not into that, are you? <laughs> you into deliverance? Well, what is deliverance? Being delivered, right? As opposed to being in bondage. So am I into deliverance? Uh, Yeah. Am I into people getting set free? Yeah. But you see what I'm saying? There's these, oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? These, it's a word that triggers a train of thought. To a lot of people, prosperity is that way. No, not to you. You like it. But there, you understand what I'm talking about. There are other people that go to other churches and groups. They hear the word prosperity. They go, oh, you're one of them. What about that brother Keith Moore? You know, ah, uh, he's one of them prosperity preachers. Now they say it as an insult. I go, thank you. But if you would only analyze it, well, what are you saying? You're against prosperity? And then they'll go out Monday morning and do everything they can to make some money. And just fuss if they don't have a good week? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And uh, as we get into this, this is one of those words too. Submission. <laughs> see? You just say the word, submit. People go, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) And just because people have made mistakes in times past, and there are different, you know, different things. People talk about the shepherdship error, the discipleship error, submission error, this error, that error. You've got to watch taking a Bible word. And connecting the word error to it. Did you hear me? Yeah, people have gotten off in about anything you want to talk about. Right? Just about any area you want to mention, somebody's gotten off. But beware of taking Bible words and putting the word error beside them. Because there is no error in here. And so if we have seen something wrong or we've thought wrong, try to put that out of your mind and forget about what this one said or that one said or what you thought. Get in the book. What did God say? 
Right? Are you ready for this? Yes. Oh, let's pray it then. Close your eyes. Say it out loud. Father God, Father. Help, me help me to get rid, to get rid of, misconceptions, of misconceptions, wrong ideas, wrong ideas. About, any about any of your word. Enlighten the eyes of my heart. Give me understanding of the rightly divided word of the truth concerning these things. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, if it's truth, okay, the truth concerning deliverance, what will it do for you? It'll make you free. The truth concerning prosperity, what will it do for you? Can anybody testify that it has been freeing you for some time? The truth concerning submission. There was a little hesitation on that. Did you, did you, did you hear that? It's like, uh, if it's in the book, it's truth. And the truth will do what? <laughs> See what, the problem is people are afraid of God. They're afraid of his word. And the devil is such a liar. He tells people all the time, if you completely, you know, sell out to God, as we say, if you completely hold nothing back and you're going to obey whatever he said completely, then your life is going to be over. Your fun will be over and you'll lose yourself. You won't even know who you are. (laughs) Thank God. That's what the Lord's been trying to work on us. From the beginning of this deal, us maintaining our own identity is refusing who we are in Christ. Well, I've got to have my own space and, and I've got to know who I am and I'm trying to find out who I am. Yet, how long have you been trying to find out? <laughs> See, this is deception. You and I are not to maintain our own before Him. We, what the scriptures say, I died. <laughs> right? And my life, my life now is hid in Christ. Right? That's what baptism portrays. I died. So I'm not trying to find out who I am. I'm in Him. Finding out who He is, I found out who I am. Cause I'm in Him. Can you say Amen? Let's look at our verse again. Well, you're in Romans 13. I'll quote it to you. Just stay in Romans. Submit yourselves to God. Say that out loud. Submit yourselves to God. Then he said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I'm not through with that. So hold on to Romans. Let's think some more about James right now. Submit yourselves to God. What's the understood subject here? Who is the understood subject? You. You submit yourself. So who's making you submit on this? Nobody's making you submit. You are submitting yourself. Now this is one of the greatest truths that will keep you from getting into error in this whole subject. Are you with me now? Who makes you submit? Nobody. Not even God himself. Who submits you? I submit myself. 
I'm going to go over this again real slow. Because this is one of the biggest people who have gotten off. This is where they got off. One of the major, because they started trying to make people submit to themselves. And that's where the error comes in. Because the enemy is a manipulator and a controller. That's who he is. He wants to control all of us completely. He wants us to be mindless zombies following his orders. God never told you to be mindless. Sometimes you hear Christians talk like that. Well, I, I wish I could just shut my mind off and just, you know, if I could just take my mind out and the Holy Ghost would just take me over. Not going to happen. Not his will. Did you hear me? No. It's the devil who wants you to not think. To be mindless. So he can fill that vacuum. In fact, the scripture told you to think. Anybody remember Philippians? What is it? 4, eight. Whatever things are true. Honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. There be any praise, be any virtue. What? Think. Think. On these things. Think. That'd be a good message for a lot of people right there. Think. Think. Didn't say just empty your mind. See, that's weird. That's wrong. Well, we'll just empty our minds completely and become one with the great cosmic nothingness. It's exactly what the devil wants. No, God never told you to be mindless. He told you to willingly put your mind on him and keep your mind on him and submit your mind and will to him. And yield and submit yourself to him. Now let's, you know, if anybody had a right to make somebody else submit, it would be God. Because he's right. Hmm? And he only has people's best interest at heart. And he is all powerful. He has the ability and power to make us submit. And he would be right. And it would be for our best. Right? If anybody had a right to make somebody else submit, it would be God. I mean, this is his planet. He made it. He sustains it. Right? And all these folk in the earth rebelling against him, denying his very existence, using the strength and life God gave them to worship the devil and rocks and stars and every kind of other thing. I mean, you know, just thinking naturally about it, you think if you were in his chair, you'd like to change that. You say, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to kill my babies. No, you're not. You're not going to worship the devil with the breath I gave you. No, you're not. You're not going to eat my food and, and do what I give you and take it in sin and break my commandments. No, you're not. I'm going to shake this place and I'm going to make you do what you ought to do. If anybody had a right to do that, it'd be him. But he has not and he will not. Well, it's one of the things that makes you love him. Isn't it? He owns you and I. Twice over. He made us. He created us. You couldn't even blink your eyes without the life and the breath He gives you in your next heartbeat. 
He wouldn't have a place to live except he keeps this thing spinning and the earth shining, sun shining. But we lost ourselves through sin. And he came and bought his own creation back. Oh, that's what redemption means. He bought us back by the blood of the Lamb. And now he owns us twice over by right of creation and by right of redemption. And then he hands us the keys back and says, serve me if you will. Mm-mm-mm. And every day you get up, you can serve him or not. Every night you go to bed, you can obey him or you can rebel against him. I don't care. Any, I don't care if you've been serving God 50 years. You can get up tomorrow and you can leave him. You can disobey him. Right? And he will not make you do otherwise. Well, if he won't make you, then we ought not try to make each other. Right? And so we'll talk more about this later. But this is one of the great truths that will keep you from getting into error in these things. Who's going to make you submit? You submit yourself. Right? To God. Now, what happened in the garden? How did the devil wind up with the authority and control? They submitted to him. Didn't they? They submitted to the devil. What an awful thing. But they did. Now, let's get this clear. There was no contract signing. There were no 12 lawyers on each side. There was no table and 50 pages of contract. There was no contract. There was no signing. Oh, but there was a legal transfer. How did it happen? So we, natural people put emphasis on the outside, on these external things, but it's all about the heart. And you can bow your knee to the wrong thing in your heart and in your mind. It doesn't have to be a big fanfare about it. Eve, looking at that, and the devil says, oh, no, you won't die. Adam, the Bible said Adam was not deceived. He knew what was going on. He went into this with both eyes wide open. He knew what God said. They were not confused. When he said, did God say, don't eat of the fruit? I mean, the woman quoted. They were not confused. And when they chose to ignore God. Everybody say ignore God. When they chose to ignore God and disobey God, in effect, what are they doing? They are submitting or yielding to the devil. Now, if you yield to the devil, are you in a position to resist the devil? No, you are not. He'll laugh at you. You yield to him, and then you jump up and say, I resist you. He'll go, did you forget? You just yielded to me. Right? Which is why this is worded this way, isn't it? What is necessary for you and I to be in a position to exercise our authority over the enemy? Submit yourself. You submit yourself to God. Then what? Now see, you can't be submitting to God and simultaneously submitting to the devil in the same area. Right? No, so I am not submitting to the devil. I'm submitting to God, which means I... Now, here's the arrangement. The word submit is not a cuss word. It's not a bad word. 
It's a Bible word, which means it's a true word, which means it'll make you free. The word submit means to rank or arrange under. To rank or arrange under. We'll see this as we go further. But when you submit yourself to God, what are you saying? God has a place and a rank over me. Right? And I'm taking my place under him. Right? He's my superior. I'm on. In fact, it's a military term that was used in the Greek and it's used here for rank. God is over me. I am under him. And then what's the rest of the verse say? Submit yourself to God. Now what? And what happens when you do? Well, he must not be over you then. Can you see this? You give God his place over you. You take your place under him. And now the devil has to take his place under your feet. Do you see that? And this is important. This is important. Hallelujah. Go back to Romans now. Romans 13, 1 and 2. And I'm reading this from the NIV. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. The fact that authorities exist is of God. Can you see this? But bottom line, there is rank. There is rank in God. There is rank among angels. There is rank among demons. In the world, in the earth, in governments and armies, there's rank. We know that. Is the body of Christ to be the one place where there is no rank? Or is there rank in the kingdom of God? The answer is yes. Now, a number of people have wanted to teach and believe, I don't know, some form of spiritual socialism. Some form of spiritual communism that we're all the same. You know, and there have been numerous experiments of churches where there is no pastor. Right? Because we're all just brothers. And nobody's over anybody else. And people like to believe that that's how it's going to be in heaven. And it's not. I said, it's not. How many remember Jesus talking about in the parables he taught, one, being ruler over ten cities. One, being ruler over five. 
Well, that's not the same. And then one being ruler over nothing. And then he talked about how that uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, how that in the resurrection that we would differ in glory like the stars do. Well, some stars are brighter than others. Right? No, we, you know, everything is not on this even keel and plane. Now, let me give you this illustration and maybe it'll help. You know, in the military there's rank. Y'all help me with this. I mean, you know, you got, you got privates and, uh, sergeants and captains and colonels and generals. And let's say we got a family. And the dad is a career military man. And he's got, uh, let's say he's got three children, two boys and a girl. And they want to follow in daddy's footsteps. And they all got in the military as soon as they're old enough. And because they're different ages and they've advanced differently, they're all at different rank. So we got the youngest son and he's a private. And we got the middle girl and she's a sergeant. And we got the oldest son, and he's a, what, captain? And um, they're all family, though. This is one family. Now, at Thanksgiving or Christmas time, the sergeant does not get more turkey and dressing (laughs) than the private. Because this is not in the army. This is not on the field. This is home. And it's not sergeant, it's Bubba or sis, as the case would be. Right? And on Christmas time, the captain don't get more Christmas presents under the tree than the sergeant. Right? Because this is family. This is family. And as brothers and sisters, one does not have more right to parts of the inheritance of the family or the blessings and benefits of the family than another. They're brothers and sisters and in these respects they are equal. Do you hear that now? But they're called up to service. Everybody say service. Service. And they're in the field. And it's time to serve. And the sergeant gives the private an order. Well, it's her brother. What's he supposed to do? Huh? Is he supposed to bring up about them being brother and sister here on the field? No, he's not. Let's say the oldest boy happened to be in a situation where he's talking to the general, his father. And the general gives him an order. Is he supposed to say, oh, dad, I don't see any sense doing that now. Is that okay? It is not okay. It's insubordination. And if he's a good leader, he's not going to put up with that. Right? And so you and I have to understand the same thing. All of us are brothers and sisters. And in the family of God, no one of us has any more right to being saved than another. Are more right to being filled with the Holy Ghost than another. Are more right to being healed than another. Right? Or more right to the name of Jesus. Or more right to prosper. Right? But in kingdom service, there is rank. And we don't all have the same rank. Right? 
And we need to understand this and we need to acknowledge it and operate it properly. Go to uh, Deuteronomy, please. On your way there, <laughs> stop by First Chronicles. It's right on your way. First Chronicles. Well, actually, it worked better the other way. So Deuteronomy 1, then we'll read First Chronicles 12. Deuteronomy 1. First Chronicles 12. Now you know the things that are written in the Old Testament are written as examples and precepts for us. And they are types of the fulfillment in the new. And notice what the Lord said to them. He had given them instructions about possessing the land. How many believe we still have more land to possess? Yeah. Hmm? yeah, we do. Yes, we do. And he told them in Deuteronomy 1, after talking about possessing the land, possessing the land, possessing the land, verse 15, Deuteronomy 1:15. So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men and known, and made them heads over you. Captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and captains over fifties and captains over tens and officers among your tribes. Was this of God? Is God a God of order? Now see, are there benefits to order? Oh, what if there was no order in the military? Chaos. Are you going to get the job done with no discipline? And no order. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, God's got the greatest kingdom of all. Right? And he is called the captain of our salvation. We're told to endure hardness as good soldiers. Right? So we ought to have some of this mentality about us. And if natural individuals show respect to those over them naturally, how much more? Should we show respect to our God? Right? And his word and his spirit and those he places and anoints and calls in positions over us. Now here he talked about it. And this whole chapter is in connection with possessing the land. Now go to First Chronicles. First Chronicles. You ever read about David's mighty men? Oh man. Does it stir you up? Whew. These guys were lions of men. No fear. Glory to God. I don't think y'all are excited as I am about it. <laughs> oh. I mean, just look death in the eye and not flinch. And overcome. I mean, they overcame some of the most amazing obstacles. But look at this. Talked about individuals that came. And it kept saying they came to make David king. And verse 33 of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle expert in war, with all instruments of war, 50,000, which could what? This is 33, First Chronicles 12, 33. They could do what? They could keep rank and were not of a double heart. Now, keep that in mind. Does double heart, have you heard that before? Yeah. 
double-minded, wavering? Does that have anything to do with understanding submission and authority and rank? You're going to see even more clearly before we get through, I hope. (laughs) If I keep taking these side journeys. They could do what? They could keep rank. What does that mean? They stayed in their place. They didn't usurp authority. And they held their rank. They didn't bend their knee to something they ought not bend their knee to. See, there's two sides of this, right? Keeping rank, what does that mean? It means you submit to those that are over you and you don't submit to those who are not over you. The two sides to it. Keeping rank. And it goes on to say again in verse 38, some other people. On the other side of Jordan, verse 37 said these Reubenites, Gadites, uh, half the tribe of Manasseh. 120,000. All these men of war that could what? They could keep ranks. It doesn't make any difference how powerful you are or how skilled you are or how much knowledge you have if you can't keep rank. You're unusable. If people can't count on you to be in your position, when you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to be, I don't care how skilled you think you are and wonderful you are, you got to be able to be counted on. Dependable, right? In your place, where you're supposed to be, not messing up somebody else's place, right? Not causing uh, disruption and confusion by your rebellion. And, you know, um, people have to be able, God has to be able to depend on you. That you are where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that's another way of saying, can keep rank. Say it out loud, I can keep rank. I can keep rank. All of us in the kingdom of God have people over us, and if we'll advance very much, people under us. All of us. There's nobody that's at the top on the earth. The Holy Spirit, who represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And did you know that Jesus himself... Keeps rank. Did you know that? Uh, go ahead and go then to 1 Corinthians 15. Remember Jesus said in John. He said my father is greater than I. Do you remember that? Now I was brought up oneness Pentecostal. And I love the oneness people. But one thing that I was taught that I no longer believe growing up like that is that Jesus is the Father. And that the Holy Spirit is the Father, one person. I kept running into too many scriptures that that didn't work with. And this is one of them. My Father is what? Well, if you are the Father, how can you be greater than yourself? If Jesus, you know, some people try to believe Jesus is the Father. No, He's not. Think of all the things He said about the Father. I didn't come to do my own will. But the will of Him that sent me. Well, if you are the Father, then you're doing your own will. Right? I don't say my own words. I only say what I hear Him say. 
Go through the gospel account of John real carefully and read it without, you know, traditional colored spectacles on and see what he said. And you cannot continue to believe that Jesus is the Father. He is God. Amen. The Holy Spirit is God. But the Holy Spirit's not the Father. And Jesus is not the Father. And here's one very clear example of it in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 20. 15, 20, 1 Corinthians. He said, Now is Christ the anointed one risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. He said, verse 23, every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he, Jesus, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign, talking about Jesus, he must reign Till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Wouldn't it be wonderful? No more death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him. It is manifest that he is accepted. Which did put all things under him. Now that's King James lingo. But he's just saying the one who put all things under Jesus feet. Is not under his feet. Who put all things under Jesus' feet? God the Father. Then God the Father is not under Jesus' feet. Everything else is. Did you hear this now? Can you hear rank here? Can you hear an arranging? And see, he got through saying that Jesus is going to reign until all authority, all rule and dominion, that's what you can see and what you can't. Everything is under him. Displayed unto him. Verse 28. Here it is. But when all things shall be subdued under him. And you'll find the word submit, subject, subdued. These go together. Then shall the son also himself be what? Subject to him that put all things under him. That God may be all in all. I mean the son himself. Says that he is, will subject himself under the Father. Right? And the Holy Spirit says, he doesn't speak of himself. But he says what he hears. Well then how about in the body of Christ? Is it all to be chaotic? Or is it to be arranged by divine order? Huh? And are we to respect what God has done? Now go with me to Matthew 8. And I think we'll close with this. Something for us to be chewing on till the next time. Because I'm believing God to really go through this thoroughly. How about you? I'm believing God to, I mean, stay on this till we get it settled. And what will the truth do for us? Make us free. Free. Should we be afraid of the truth? Absolutely not. Truth makes us free. It's avoiding the truth and ignoring and shunning the truth that causes the problems. Matthew, the 8th chapter. 
Now this is such a wonderful illustration of what we're seeing this morning, this great truth. And it has to do with the healing of the centurion's servant. You remember that? Let's remind ourselves of it. Matthew 8, 5. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion. Now, a centurion was a Roman uh, leader of a hundred men. And the Roman military was portrayed even in Daniel's time as those who would operate as a rule, an iron rod rule. They crushed armies. And they won victory after victory after victory. And they were highly disciplined. They did not tolerate insubordination. And to come up through the ranks, this man is a centurion. He has a hundred men under him. And he is a fighting man. He's been in many battles. But he's a good man. How many know you can be a man of faith and a warrior? David was. In fact, the Bible said God calls himself a man of war. Right? He has armies. Plural. And he had a servant that he loved. And he sent word to the Lord Jesus, verse 6. He said, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. You know, he never said, I won't. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. What does that mean? I have people over me. Right? And I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. That's the other side of this. I have people who outrank me that I submit to, and I got people that I outrank, and they submit to me. And I say to this man, go, and what happens? He thinks about it. Huh? Sometimes he goes. Sometimes he don't. You just never know. <laughs> Not in the Roman army. Uh-uh. Not unless you want to wind up crucified or something. Seriously. Now I say to this one, go, and what happens? He goes. Every time. And I say to another one, do what? Come. What happens? And when he gets ready, sometimes it takes him a long time to get ready. Come and if he's not too busy with other stuff, no, come and he comes. And I tell my servant, and remember it's one of his servants that's sick. Tell my servant, what? Do this. And he does it. Let's just stop right here. Man, this is so big. His servant didn't ask for healing in this case. He asked for healing for his servant. But is his servant submitted to him? No question about it. Did the servant get healed? Yes, he did. How many remember James? Anybody sick? Do what? Let him call 
for the elders of the church. Why? You know, before I learned some of these things, I used to show up sometimes to visit people because a friend of their second cousin said, so-and-so sick, would you go check on them? And I show up over there and they go, who are you? I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm a preacher from so-and-so. Uh, I don't believe in all that. Can I help them with my faith? They're not submitted to me at all. They don't respect me. And so they don't respect God. Do you see what I'm talking about now? So it's not, it didn't say, some people think, well, they're supposed to know if I'm sick and they're supposed to know if I need something and they're supposed to just show up. No, he said, you're supposed to call. And there's reasons why. If you don't have enough respect and there's not enough submission to call and ask and put yourself in that position, they don't have a right to use their faith to the degree that they should. Can you see that? He said, I say to my servant, do this. And he's a rebellious young lad. No, no, no. He does it. And he got healed that day too. Can you see all this? Man, there's a lot here. When Jesus heard it, he did what? How many know Jesus wasn't impressed with just anything and everything? But he marveled. That's a strong word. How would we say it in uh, South Missouri and North Arkansas language? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> my, my, my. I hadn't seen faith like this. Hadn't seen what? I thought we were talking about submission. Did you see that? I haven't seen faith like this. Great faith. Jesus called it great faith. This man's not a seminary student. He has no records for longest prayer. What is he? He's a fighting man. He can slice you and dice you, brother. He might not be able to quote much scripture, but he's a fighting man. But he's also a man of great faith. See, you got some people, they can quote all kind of scripture, but not great faith. Here's a man, probably hard to find a couple of scripture, but great faith. It does no good to be a walking concordance and rebellious. No. Actually, if you read the whole story, he sent people to Jesus. They're operating through delegates. I mean, there's all kind of stuff about authority here. And the word comes back to him. And what does he say? I'm just a soldier, Jesus. You don't need to come to my house. If you would give the command. If you give the order. See, that's what he understands. Orders. Would God we understood them. <laughs> he understands orders. If you would give the order for my servant to be healed. You don't even have to come to my street. You don't have to come to my town. You have to come to my house. If you would send the orders. Because he said, I understand this. See, I have superior officers over me and I follow orders. And I got people under me and when I give an order, they obey it. And I'm acknowledging that you have authority over this. And if you'll just give the order, it'll happen. And Jesus said, my, my, my. It was some reproof to his disciples. Because when he says, I hadn't found faith like this in all of Israel, that includes them. Basically, he's saying, boys, learn a lesson. 
See, they're thinking they're all these hyper-spiritual dudes following Jesus all the time. And here's a fighting man with his armor on and thinking, yeah, what does he know? Well, he knows something you don't know. He knows how to respect orders. And I hadn't found faith this great in all Israel. And he spoke the word. And the servant was healed. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Let's believe God. Today and in the days to come to rise up to the army of glory and faith and honoring God that we're supposed to be. See, we live in a society with sloppy Christians. We live in a society of undisciplined believers. They come dragging up and their shoes are not polished and their uniforms button wrong and they're sloppy and unkept. And the insignia is not right. They don't even know they got any rank. They don't even acknowledge any rank. Jesus, Captain Jesus, please heal me. Please heal me. He says, I have already given the order that you're healed by my stripes, soldier. Well, I know you said that, but I just don't feel healed. Man, I hurt worse today than I did yesterday. What is that? No respect. No discipline. Soldiers are not supposed to wait to see how they feel about the order. Let me see how I feel. No, you show up. Permission to be healed, sir. He said, I said, you are healed, soldier. Thank you, sir. That's it. You're gone. You're gone. Right? You're gone. You don't have to check it. You don't have to look. Somebody said, well, you look mighty sick to me. The captain said, I'm healed. Yeah, but the report was bad. Captain said, I'm healed. Shut up. I already got my orders. You see, if we stand up and square our shoulders and be a man of God and be a woman of God and acknowledge him over us that his word is supreme. If he said it, everything else has to bow its knee under him. And if the devil's trying to enforce something, we got every right. Having submitted ourselves to God, we resist him and say, get out of here and stop it in Jesus' name. And he has to flee. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.